This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs. A fresh look at astrology shaped by channeled wisdom on the soul and its human journey. Enjoy inspirational insights on how to change karma and make changes for the better. And now, here's Tom. Hey everybody, welcome to The Soul's Journey. This is your pal Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. I'm an evolutionary astrologer and channel. Uh, Tonight uh, is an astrology show. I'm going to talk about karma and astrology uh, of Edward Snowden, who... uh, you know, for a year has been uh, talked about quite a lot um, around the world, actually, because of the the impact of what he's what he's uh, been part of, and he's the person who has uh, uh, leaked a bunch of secret U.S. National Security Agency or NSA, as how we'll refer to it later, uh, documents like tens of thousands of documents to a particular journalist, and this journalist now has this team. That journalist is named Gren, sorry, Glenn. I knew it was going to happen sometime. Glenn Greenwald. And we're going to look at the chart of each person. I'm going to give you the data of each person. And then we're going to look at a couple of details in relation to the USA chart, which is the Sibley chart, that, uh, the one that's uh, really uh, predominantly used. And I want to give you some ideas on how to understand this whole deal. Why would Edward Snowden do this? Why would uh, Glenn Greenwald be willing to participate and how they're, you know, how they're um, being affected by uh, how they're inter- interacting with with the United States, of course, as a collective, as a political entity, has a chart. So, so anyway, I'll give you the, all those data. I want to let you know when I, I I am looking at some transits at that time, and I'm putting pulling them up for June 9th, 2013, which is when all this uh, started to uh, become public. Um, first, I want to do some announcements. Uh, let me give my little notes here. Uh, the Intuitive Skills Development class uh, beginning in mid-July is full, so thank you for for all the interest. And uh, it filled up, you know, the last person signed up with five weeks left, which is really great. Uh, really happy about that. Um, if you are interested in that, because a lot of you are hearing this later, most people who are hearing this are hearing it much later. Uh, just contact me and let me know you're interested, and I'll kind of keep you on a on a general list to to inform when I schedule the next one. Uh, and I've had a n- number of requests the last week after it filled up, and so there may be another one later in this uh, calendar year. So you can email me at tom at tdjacobs.com about that with questions, or you can read the flyer on my site. Or you can, uh, you know, just be in, be in touch that way. Um, Monday, July seventh, uh, which is just four weeks away, uh, transforming abuse channeling event. This is going to be a ninety-minute event where I, wherein, uh, let's be grammatically proper. Uh, I'm going to channel Ascended Master Jehudi, also known as Thoth and Saint Germain and Merlin, as well as Archangel Metatron, to uh, transform the effects of abuse in your energy field. I'm doing it on a Monday, which is rare. usually do them on the weekends. But uh, I'm doing it to capitalize on the grand water trying to play at that moment with the moon meeting Saturn and Scorpio. Really a great uh, a great time 
a great kind of a synchronistic time to do that. So that's why we're doing it on a Monday. If you can't make that call, you can get the MP3 later and the energy work will be done on you. It's a really cool effect where you call the beings in and their vibration is captured through the vibration of my voice as I'm channeling them. And then you say, yes, please work on me. They work on you no matter when you listen to the thing. It's really amazing with these, uh, with the channeled MP3s that, that I offer. So that's Monday, July 7th, transforming the effects of abuse can be of all kinds. Um, if you like this uh, show, if you've li- been listening to it and you like the podcast, as I said, many more people are subscribers um, than listening live, uh, rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That really helps people uh, who might be interested find it, um, and that would help me out quite a lot. Also with books, I have about 15 books available between ebooks and paperbacks in, in various places, including Amazon, Kindle, and tdjacobs.com. And um, – uh, if you like the books, review the books. That always helps me. It helps people get a sense of what the book is about beyond reading the table of contents in the first couple of pages. It really helps to have readers' opinions. And, and um, there's quite a lot of different kinds of books if you're just realizing that I write books or haven't heard the show before. Um, there are astrology books, including the Soul's Journey Trilogy, three volumes of this so far, Um and that's about the soul's journey and astrology, you know, understanding karma and the way that the ascended master explains how our souls see our astrology charts and our lives and karma and all these kind of amazing, wonderful things. And there are three of those books. There's also Lilith Healing the Wild, which is pretty popular, people looking to heal the divine natural feminine, a uh, book on Chiron, which is a new take on healing the Chiron wound, which um, most people think can't be healed. So anyway, check all those out. And also five channeled books, including the most recent, uh, Conscious Living and Conscious Dying. So anyway, uh, you, you know, review those, get those, read those, review those. Um, those channel books will change your life. So if you're thinking, gosh, I wonder if I would like to do this Monday, July 7th call with Jehudia Metatron, get one of those channeled books and see how it affects you and, uh, and you'll want to be on the call. Um, so the, and then kind of leading, leading into the show here, um, I, I have uh, talked about last week and maybe the week before a little bit the the red jasper stones. I I started charging the brocaded red jasper this morning, just totally random. I had a full day of work and then ending with the show, which you're hearing now. And uh, so I had not planned on doing this, but I was sitting down to to eat my breakfast and suddenly I realized that energy of Jehudia Metatron starting to come through. So I went downstairs to where the stones were laid out on our on our uh, table in the living room and uh, just started charging them. So they're probably about halfway done, and it's just kind of a really interesting experience. Um, if you haven't heard about this, I, I charge gemstones or crystals, or I sometimes just call them rocks and stones, with these other energies so that you can ground, meditate, you can heal stuff, you can become more clear, Learn to work with your emotions in a, in a new way. I've done tiger iron since January, char- cutting and polishing my own pieces and charging them. Now I'm moving into doing a set of about 70 red jasper pieces. They're all ready to go, halfway charged, but they're all fabricated and polished. And, um, and about that, I, even if you're not interested in a stone, I really want you to read the two free PDFs. One of them is a hundred page, one of the channeled books, one of the five channeled books called Goddess Past, Present, and Future on my channeled books page, which you can find through the store on my site. Um, you can download that, MP, that uh, PDF for free. I encourage you strongly to read that. 
and and also and or then read healing the effects of sexual abuse with charged Brecreate red jasper a 33 page pdf yes i'm giving you a lot of homework but i really want you to get these perspectives these channel perspectives on what's really happening and how to turn these things around within a few weeks or a month or so the red jasper will be available um very very excited about this because it's a going to be a marker for like a, a bookmark to the frequency of these of these beings charged with their intention about being strong working through anger in a conscious way embodying compassion and accepting that abuse that has come to us is part of our soul's journey and that we can actually uh, we don't have to carry scars from this. We don't have to carry dents in our emotional fields. And it doesn't have to uh, limit us from living full lives in any way. Everything can be healed is one of the main messages in the 33-page document. All that you think is broken can, in fact, be healed. So in this document, Judy and Metatron, the 33-page one, go into great detail about human sexual energy and about uh, you know earth history and patriarchal marriage and like all these kinds of things including stuff on sexual violence and, the, and in that part they reference the goddess book goddess past present and future so I decided to make that free instead of excerpting or rechanneling some teaching or something like that so anyway 133 pages that's a letter sized waiting for you to read it's all single space by the way it's a lot but I want you to read it I want you, I really want you to read it. Uh, this is part of my Venus Pluto on the 12th, giving this to you so that you can get a better sense of how these things have actually happened and how to come out of them. It's very important to me to, you know, have an influence on people that's positive. And this is something that's really close to my heart. I have the ability, uh, sometimes I've often felt it's unfortunate, but it's not. I've turned it into work, but I have the ability to, uh, attract people to me who have histories of abuse and be able to help them ground and release things and transform that. And so that's kind of why it's not a permanent shift in my work. It's always been happening. But with the stones and these free ebooks and then the, uh, the, uh, event coming up on Monday, July 7th, I am kind of focusing on, you know, tying these things together so that you can, you can take advantage of all the different ways that I can offer you support uh, and assistance uh, if you're somebody who has experienced that kind of abuse. Or, or if you've had uh, sexual interactions in general that you don't like and would like to, you know, get out of your field, or you don't, you feel like you can't forget them, or something's bad or wrong about them, or unhappy, uh, whether in the past or in the present. So anyway, this is uh, really dear to my heart, and I'm I'm really excited to to bring all these things, uh, you know, to the surface for you. Um, so tonight's show um, is about all this leaking stuff. <laughs> All the leaking stuff. What I want to do is uh, give you a karmic profile of Edward Snowden in the way that I do karmic profiles. These are all over my blog from the last few years if you're curious about how I do this. Um, you can just look up Tom Jacobs' karmic profile and you'll see like, I don't know, like Tiger Woods and Hillary Clinton and like, a, you know, a bunch of other people. Oprah Winfrey, I think I've done her in there uh, in the blog. Um, and also David Bowie, because he's, uh, and some of those people I just did, did include in the Soul's Journey One, and then I excerpted those things from my blog to give you a sense of how we do it. But it's a four-step process, beginning with Pluto as the marker of the Soul's intentions for your experience to navigate strength, confidence, and power. But all people, <laughs> to some degree or another, at least to some point, associate p- power with material world reality. 
So money, possessions, status, respect, uh, youth, vigor, strength, attractiveness, charm, connections, resources, networks, all these kinds of things we, we attach uh, the idea of power to, especially money. And uh, we aren't serving ourselves through that. But anyway, we cycle through that because that's what we think it's about. King of the hill – Top dog, whatever you know, like we think that's what it's about. Um, so we're all cycling through t- attaching the sense of strength to material world reality, when in fact, and I'm skipping quite a lot of explanation, <laughs> but uh, when in fact, real Plutonian power is in uh, absolute, unflinching, unashamed self-awareness, and absolute, unflinching, unashamed. Self-acceptance, which means seeing all the ugly parts of yourself and deciding that everything's fine and you're strong enough to manage these parts with love. And then you love all these parts of you that carry ugly emotions, scary motivations, etc. I've gone into this in previous shows talking about my deal with the barking dogs. Uh, and I've talked about <laughs> this in different ways. But anyway, that's the setup for Pluto. What is a soul trying to get the person to figure out? How to be strong through doing or being, and how is that person perhaps cycled through material world reality in, in that quest? Um, and Pluto represents fears. We don't want to be overpowered, so sometimes we puff ourselves up and decide to, to one up others or something. And this competitive spirit, kind of sometimes a desperate, sometimes an urgent or cutthroat thing. Um, but other times we just wonder if we're strong enough. So for Snowden, his Pluto – oh, I have to give you his birthday to heavens. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot. Uh, June 21st – hey, it's almost his birthday. Uh, June 21st, 1983, 4.42 a.m. in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. So you should get a 12-degree Gemini rising with Mercury at 10 right there. Um, and so looking at Pluto, retrograde Pluto in Libra in the fifth house – conjunct retrograde Saturn in Libra in the fifth house. Uh, and so uh, Pluto in the fifth house is about self-expression and having an opinion. It's And, and uh, it, we, we think it's about art and creativity, and it is. We think about spontaneity and playfulness, and it is. But um, it's a lot about having an opinion, like developing one, and then expressing it and owning it, being seen as a unique individual. And, uh, you know, ultimately celebrating the self, but sometimes Pluto and the fifth people, uh, don't have a lot of sense of celebration because they've been, you know, Plutoed in the fifth house. You know, they've been kind of through the empowerment, disempowerment ringer in the fifth house. But anyway, um, spontaneity, playfulness, all these things are accurate, but having an opinion is what all fifth house people who are having a Pluto there or a journey there, you know, the right to have an opinion, uh, something like this. And uh, being seen as the person who has that opinion, you know, revealing that and owning it is a huge part of this journey. Pluto is in Libra. Libra is about fairness and justice. It's about creating a harmony and balance, but often encountering the opposites and trying to figure out how to how to create uh, those things. So people with Pluto and Libra are very, tend to be very sensitive to aggression. They don't like it because they want peace. They may have somehow been conditioned or somehow thought that uh, being aggressive is a way to keep other people from being aggressive toward you because it's not that all people with Pluto and Libra are peace-loving, calm, gentle people. A lot of us, me included, 
get really riled up like about things that are unfair. There's a lot of anger in there. And we've encountered tyranny. We've encountered um, uh, you know, awful things and violence, and we're trying to create peace. We're trying to figure out how to do that. It's also about relationships and being heard by others or sometimes a particular other and sometimes you know, in general. So Pluto and Libra in the fifth needs to be heard by others, needs to develop a clear opinion and assert it and share it. But Pluto's retrograde, and that adds to the story. And this, by the way, uh, as I, I go through this process, this is what a soul's journey soundbite is like for those of you who don't, who haven't gotten one. It's a 20-minute reading. They tend to be over 20 minutes, but they're supposed to be 20. I often can't shut my mouth. <laughs> it's just there's so much info. But anyway, it's kind of the anatomy of your soul's journey, so to speak. And uh, um, and it is uh, anyway. This is the four-step process that we're doing. I'm, I'm actually going to. Put a put a pause in there and take the first break. This is Tom Jacobs on the Soul's Journey. Stick with me. I'll be right back with more about Edward Snowden's karmic journey. Positive thoughts, tried to forgive yourself and others for everything, and read piles of self-help books and still feel stuck? Call evolutionary astrologer and channel Tom Jacobs. Consultations with Tom reveal the core of what hurts you and holds you back. Tom changes clients' lives with a personalized blend of evolutionary astrology, messages from spirit guides, channeling and energy work with Ascended Master Jehudi and Archangel Metatron, chakra cleaning and rebalancing, past life integration, and teaching you to transform what you are manifesting. Tom will provide whatever you need to move through knots, blocks, or bruises. To book a life-changing session with Tom Jacobs, call 213-925-6019 or visit tdjacobs.com. Ever wondered what your soul is? How about how to create a meaningful life to make the most of your time on Earth? In the important new channeled book, Conscious Living, Conscious Dying, Ascended Master Jehudi, a.k.a. Thoth and St. Germain, Explain soul, life, and death to support you in living a meaningful life now. It opens with a description of soul and how it informs and experiences your human life. Creating a meaningful life and an in-depth exploration of death follow, making this a must-have for all humans. Conscious Living, Conscious Dying provides a roadmap for making peace with the reality of life and the fact of death to free you to make the most of your time on Earth. Get your copy of Conscious Living, Conscious Dying now on Amazon, Kindle, or at tdjacobs.com. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to the Soul's Journey. This is Tom Jacobs. And if you're just joining me tonight, I'm doing a, a kind of a, a longer kind of karmic profile of Edward Snowden. I want you to understand some of where he's coming from as a soul and how some conditioning experiences over many lives have led to what he has done, you know, just a year ago, which is release tens of thousands of classified NSA documents uh, to a journalist who has been uh, selectively uh, uh, publishing uh, them. And uh, and then also I want to talk about that journalist a little bit and talk about his transits and his karma. And then I want to talk about uh, Edward Snowden's uh, kind of um, maybe not karma with the U.S. Maybe not. It may be, uh, but I'm not going to like tune into his. Uh, you know, his, uh, energy field and consciousness because I don't have permission. But I will be looking at how, uh, certain elements in his chart fit with the U.S. chart, the Sibley chart. So anyway, uh, that's what we're doing tonight. Um, I left off with this Pluto idea. Pluto's retrograde, uh, in, in the Libra, Libra in the fifth. And that means that he has to figure out what power means, what it means to be empowered through developing an opinion and owning it. So in some lives, he will develop an opinion that isn't his. In some lives, he will create art he doesn't believe in. Uh, he'll be told he's good at it. He loves attention. You know, that's one possibility of Pluto and Libra in the fifth. But I love that you love what I'm doing. Let me do more of it. Uh, and so you can actually um, get into this place where you're creating something you don't really believe in, participating in something. Um, and the retrograde says you have to create your own way of doing it. Like I always say, invent your own wheel about how to do it. So you can look up, you know, 15 things in different astrology texts about what that means, Pluto and Libra in the fifth, but you have to take a little bit from each one or invent a new way of doing it. Otherwise, you won't be satisfied. Uh, Five-twelfths of the population has Pluto retrograde on average. So it's quite a lot of people needing to invent a Plutonian wheel for themselves. Uh, now, the Pluto is conjunct Saturn and Libra, which means that, that part and parcel, all wrapped up together, uh, integral to the Plutonian empowerment journey is Saturn, being authoritative, being competent, being good at things, and being respected for being good at things. And when we have Pluto and um, Saturn together, you find yourself at times in situations where you must assert that you are an authority figure and know you have the right to do it, but that can be a rocky battle sometimes. And this is in the house of having an opinion, having something to say is probably a better way to say it. I have something to say. Saturn's also retrograde. So he has done Saturnian things in different lives that don't work well. So he's got to reinvent or invent a new wheel about what it means to um, be empowered through having a voice, fifth house, having something to say. So um, and it's all about the opinions of others and how it might be received. Now, that can actually keep somebody with a signature from expressing the opinion or if he or she expresses it to get a response that is not desired and to learn to curb over time that expression. Now, that could be through, you know, creativity, art, sexuality, fifth house. You know, it could be through lots of different things or simply having an opinion. So he has a deep karmic need to know exactly what he's going to say, believe in it strongly, and then know and then just do it. He has this deep karmic need need with this. Um, and that the Pluto and Saturn are retrograde, I, I want to emphasize that about five months every year, you know, each will be retrograde. And it means that Saturn is necessary for him to feel strong, but he's got to do a new way of Saturn. And maybe sometimes Saturn retrograde can come out a little bit Uranus, a little bit of a rebel, because you can't swallow the Saturnian status quo as everybody else seems to or seems to think you're supposed to. You can't do it. So I would argue that in some lives, he's actually – well, 
I'm okay. I'm going to not do that quite yet because I want to talk about the south node and a couple other things first. Uh, south, so just bear with me. South node in the seventh house is being conditioned through the expectations, needs, desires, and demands of other people. Essentially, people with the south node in the seventh tend to be very good listeners, <laughs> but they may not be assertive. They may not say no to people. And this is in Sagittarius, so it's kind of a um, a big a big way that this happens. And it can be that other people seem to have very big opinions or very big re- requirements or expectations, and you have to kind of fit in with that. Jupiter ruling Sagittarius being you know one of the biggest planets, or the biggest non non sun planet. Um, and Neptune is here, and this is a huge part of the story. It means that he he has many experiences over many lives of being surrounded by Neptune good and bad. Now, Neptune is truth as well as illusion. It's deception as well as honesty. It's, um, you know, weird machinations that end up being, you know, all about deception, but you didn't know it, being being kind of um, having the wool pulled over your eyes, being fooled. Uh, Neptune, and so the instructions from other people in his many lives tend to have a Neptunian flavor to them. In this case, illusion and deception. So he is working, you know, uh, Prior to this, you know, to this time when he had to leave the uh, leave the country to avoid being uh, um, uh, indicted um, or taken into custody is probably a better way to say it. Um, he had, um, you know, he was coming out of something delusional, like dealing with all these secrets is coming out of it, and uh, the energy that I get from him is not that he. Um, has an attitude problem and is trying to destroy things, but that he has this real thing about telling the truth and he can't deal with not doing it. And, and that's a good Saturn Pluto in the fifth thing, by the way. Uh, but it's also a good Neptune on the south node because you have to process the deceptions of others or the illusions or the fogginess. The other thing is with Neptune on the south node in the seventh like this, you can actually find yourself swept away by what others are telling you to do and years later or hours later realize, wait a minute, why would – that doesn't make any sense because it's Neptune. You're kind of like getting caught in the sway of of, of powerful others. Um, so uh, then looking at his south node ruler, which for me is the third step of the story, the third step in the, in the soundbite thing or how I analyze charts um, – and the south node ruler is Jupiter because Jupiter rules Sagittarius, and that is in uh, the sixth house, and that's also retrograde, conjunct retrograde Uranus. So you have like a real emphasis here on retrograde planets regarding his karmic story. Uh, the outer planets, uh, Jupiter, <laughs> Neptune, Uranus, Saturn, Pluto, they're all retrograde, which means that how he does these planets has to be reinvented. So the south node ruler in the sixth house says hard worker, conjunct uh, – uh, you know, in, 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 in Sagittarius, very intuitive, conjunct Uranus, there's an element of genius in there, being very good technically. Like, you might see this chart and expect him to be a computer programmer or, or hacker or whatever. Um, but, but that would not be, uh, that would not be weird looking at this chart, seeing that, that the Southland ruler is in the house of being good at something, technically good at something or, or, or approaching perfection. Um, and then, of course, conjunct Uranus. So he shows up as a Uranian figure in the sixth house. Now, in some cases, you know, at some points in his life, he'll have a problem getting along with his employers because she, he shows up with Uranus energy in the workplace. Anybody, anybody, any of you who has, uh, who happens to have Uranus in the sixth, you might go from being bored at work to being rebellious 
or being that person who's a symbol for um, being a problem because you can't follow the rules, you can't show up on time. It's a very Uranus in the sixth kind of energy. And he shows up with this in a bunch of lives. You know, his South Node ruler represents his role in many lives, how he shows up uh, to be. It's true of our South Node rulers for any of us. Um, and then the opposition uh, from Jupiter to uh, uh, Chiron in the 12th house. And any opposition to the South Node ruler uh, from the 12th house is about something big, something overwhelming. And Chiron is about a wound. And Taurus is about the value system. So it's almost like it's a, you know you can make a chart tell you whatever you want, but as I look at this in this four step process that I use using my own astrological vocabulary, um, I just see that you know becoming a contractor, a computer programmer, or security analyst or security professional for the NSA um, is an automatic setup to find for him to find problems. It's it's like his soul is having him walk into finding the 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 bad part of what's happening almost. And I think this idea of being a whistleblower, being somebody who leaks documents, I think this is in his karmic field because he uh, has this Uranian ability to see ahead or to kind of anticipate and see kind of the implications of present events into the future and see how things might, might play out. And, and uh, Uranus is very forward looking, but also opposing this Chiron in the 12th, he'll be sensitive to the wounds of the collective. So the collective itself, you know, the, the main thing that, that was the first story that was broken was about the, um, the cell phone call surveillance. Uh, I think it was one particular vendor. I can't remember which one, maybe Verizon or something, but, but that the NSA was, had been tracking and then, you know, indicating all these other things were also going on. But that being the first kind of one of these 10,000, tens of thousands of documents. So he's going to be very aware of the wound in the collective, the thing that's wrong with society or the thing that's wrong with the ma- in, in, on a global scale in the masses. And then you get down to Pluto and Saturn in the fifth. What am I supposed to do about that? Like, I need to have integrity. And I'll, I'll offer you that if somebody doesn't have integrity in some life, expect that it's a pendulum swing from some other life where the person had a lot of integrity and didn't get what he or she wanted or needed. <laughs> expect that somebody in a given life who has a ton of integrity and is like morally rigid and fixed, expect that person is on a pendulum swing from being morally loose in some other life where it didn't work out well. Just, just assume that whatever somebody really believes in is part of a pendulum swing from the opposite. That's, that's how we work. That's how our lives go. You, you know, so, um, anyway, so whatever you're really committed to, understand that in some other life, you're like, ah, forget that. I don't give a crap about that. But then something went wrong and you're like, well, maybe I should have cared about that. that that's kind of the story of you. Like, as a multi-life being, that's your life history story. That's your life story. Anyway, um, so uh, moving on to talk about Snowden's North Node. This is a really big North Node because it's got Sun and Mars conjunct in the first house. In the seventh house, we, we yield to the expectations of others. In the seventh house, we find ourselves um, you know, knowing what others expect of us and probably needing to conform to it or rebel against it. But in the first house, we're self-directed. We put ourselves first. And his son is there. So his whole sense of being a person – is on the north node, meaning opposite the south node. What that means is that having a healthy ego and you know being uh, having a sense of personal vitality and creativity and and other sun ideas, that's missing. It's opposite 
180 degrees away from the south node. So a planet conjunct the north node seems or is missing in life to the person over many lives. But here's the key. The person will feel the energy because it's still part of the person. It's just far away from the environments in which he or she has been conditioned, including family. So in his family, there's kind of a Neptune and Sagittarius in the seventh thing happening. And Sun in the first house is missing. Mars in Gemini in the first house is missing. So following something blindly, doing what's expected. It's a very Neptune and Sag in the seventh house south node, a kind of idea. And uh, standing up for oneself, defending the self, saying no, that's a very Mars Sun on the north node in the first house. So he will have many opportunities in different lives to put his foot down, assert who he is, and break away in order to have a healthy ego function, Sun, and Mars express his will. And, uh, you know, these are both fiery energies that really contribute to our sense of vitality and health and, you know, viability as an individual. So in a bunch of lives, he's actually being told what to do. In a bunch of lives, he's like swallowing what other people are offering him. And uh, in this life, he has to – or in a bunch of lives, he has to figure out how to stand up and not do it anymore. And so it happens in this very public way um, partially because the the Saturn-Pluto thing, he's at his Saturn return at this time. If you notice, it's just after it, and you can figure that – think about what would have been happening over the previous few months. Like if you look at uh, June 9, 2013 for transits, Saturn right then is at five and change, Scorpio retrograding back, and it is a natal Saturn at 28, Libra. It already passed over a few months previous. So he had to be dealing for months with the consequences of not speaking up, the, the expectation of what it would feel like. And that would trigger karmic memories of feeling like you missed a boat, feeling like you're doing a disservice, feeling like you're not serving the cause of justice. Not to be too corny, but Pluto, Saturn, and Libra wants to serve the cause of justice, you know, if triggered the right way. Um, but anyway, so he's post-Saturn return. He, you know, is dealing with that. And what kind of adult am I going to be? You know, that's the real question with the first Saturn return, which happens around age 29 and a half. What kind of adult am I going to be? Thus far, each of us cycles through what we think an adult should be or what we're told is the right thing to do. You know, shoulds and the right thing is Saturn. What it means to be mature and responsible. So he's doing kind of a Saturn job. Like I said, you know, Uranus in the sixth idea, you know, computer programmer or whatever. But he's doing a Saturn job. He's working for the NSA. Uh, but then what kind of adult is he going to be? And, you know, this is somebody who would probably get eaten away inside if he didn't do this. And for him, I think just the, you know, his own kind of karmic journey, it needed to be big because he needed to have this first house experience of standing up and saying, this is who I am and being seen as that person, being really seen. Between Pluto in the fifth and the Mars, Sun, North Node in the first, you need to be seen. And these are air signs. You need to communicate something. You need to say something that you're already thinking that you know is real for you. So um, also Sun and Mars on the on the uh, North Node, you know, being far away from the conditioning environments of where we're coming from in a bunch of lives, which is what the South Node represents, it means that he may not at times in life believe that he has the right to be independent, to be a unique individual, to Gemini, speak his mind. And uh, hold that stance. And then as you also notice with the transits, transiting Jupiter at this time, June 9, 2013, 
is at 26 Gemini, a degree past his north node, two degrees past his Mars, and three degrees before his sun. So the idea, you know, the, the call of Jupiter in transit is, are you willing to believe in yourself? Are you willing to risk doing what you know is true for you and real, or can you stop underestimating yourself? The way of C. Forrest, um, my astrology teacher, says it is uh, that Jupiter in transit will ask you, in what area of life or in what way have you been underestimating yourself? It's not saying, gosh, have you been underestimating yourself? It's, it's assuming that it is. In this case, is he willing to step into standing up for what he knows is true? I'm not trying to paint him in a comic book fashion as a hero, but I do think that it takes a lot of guts to do, uh, to do what he did and then to accept, uh, you know, exile for this past year. I haven't kept up on his, uh, on the status in the last few weeks of, uh, what's going to happen, where, where he's going to be, where he has asylum. He's had it in Russia for, for almost the last year. I think maybe in July it's up, uh, the year that they was, he was granted. But, you know, he either gets another year or something in Russia or he has to go somewhere else. Um, and, you know, he knew that he would either go to prison or not be back in the U.S. Like, he understood the implications of what he was doing. And he also didn't have to tell everybody who he was. But he needed to. So if you can understand a south node in the seventh with Neptune falling, basically slipping into other people's patterns and expectations, he had to assert himself. He had to make some noise in Gemini. He had to make some noise. So stick with me. This is Tom Jacobs on The Soul's Journey. I'll be right back, and we're going to pick it up with Glenn Greenwald and then some look at the USA chart. wondered what your soul is? How about how to create a meaningful life to make the most of your time on earth? In the important new channeled book, Conscious Living, Conscious Dying, Ascended Master Jehudi, aka Thoth and Saint Germain, explains soul, life and death to support you in living a meaningful life now. It opens with a description of soul and how it informs and experiences your human life. Creating a meaningful life and an in-depth exploration of death follow, making this a must-have for all humans. Conscious Living, Conscious Dying provides a roadmap for making peace with the reality of life and the fact of death to free you to make the most of your time on Earth. Get your copy of Conscious Living, Conscious Dying now on Amazon, Kindle, or at tdjacobs.com. When you've thought positive thoughts, tried to forgive yourself and others for everything, and read piles of self-help books and still feel stuck, call evolutionary astrologer and channel Tom Jacobs. Consultations with Tom reveal the core of what hurts you and holds you back. Tom changes clients' lives with a personalized blend of evolutionary astrology, messages from spirit guides, channeling and energy work with Ascended Master Jehudi and Archangel Metatron, chakra cleaning and rebalancing, 
past life integration, and teaching you to transform what you are manifesting. Tom will provide whatever you need to move through knots, blocks, or bruises. To book a life-changing session with Tom Jacobs, call 213-925-6019 or visit tdjacobs.com. Welcome back to the show, The Soul's Journey. This is Tom Jacobs. Tonight I'm talking about Edward Snowden. I'm going to wrap up his chart here in a second. But I want to just talk, uh, give you an idea of this Jupiter transit um, conjunct the first house north node with Sun and Mars. Jupiter transits always ask you to risk. And, you know, there's this idea of, uh, you know, you, if you don't risk anything, you can't reap a reward. I'm totally messing up like like three cliches when I do that. But but anyway, this idea that nothing ventured, nothing gained, I think is one of them. <laughs> but um, Jupiter always wants you to believe in yourself and take a risk and leap into something new. In this case, embodying his his Mars, saying yes and no. You know, and Mars is also about being forthright, especially in the first house. You have to carry this energy of of um, you know. Being a warrior, well, what kind of warrior are you? You know, what is it aligned with? Uh, and then Sun in the first house, the whole idea of do I have the right to have an ego? And a bunch of li- over a bunch of lives, he has found out that he doesn't because other people are controlling or expecting things, or he might find himself worn down emotionally via something like Chinese water torture. Uh, emotionally speaking, though, over a long time, like he's like, this is what I need to do, and somebody else says. Oh no, you don't. Just do this. And he's like, no, this is what I need to do. But but he's willing to say it three hundred times before he kind of like is exhausted. They're willing to say it a thousand times. They win. That's kind of Neptune on the south node opposing the sun on the north node, um, in the first house especially. So anyway, Jupiter, this this risk, stepping into something, taking a risk, and a lot of people don't want to risk regarding Jupiter natally or by transit because they want a guarantee of success. They, and also one of the threads – but there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. You risk stepping into a new direction. You will grow. Your soul will learn through that choice, and you never know what's going to come to you. If you step out with confidence in what you're doing, then things tend to work out a little better because you're vibrating confidence. Um, but see, with him, Sun and Mars on the North Node, there's a question in his energy field, in his consciousness. Do I really have the right to do this? And even if he as an adult, as this 29-year-old person, right, just post-Saturn return says, yes, I do, different parts of him might not uh, and you know might be vibrating, but this really hurts from the past where I didn't have the right to stand up and be a unique individual, make my own decisions, steer the ship of my life, etc., so I just want to give you that insight. Also, the last thing, people assume Jupiter transits are always wonderful and they look forward to them. And if Jupiter's trining something in your solar return chart, you're like, oh, I'm happy because it's a good Jupiter year. It's kind of baloney too because what Jupiter does is bring you opportunity. But if you're standing there not being open to opportunity, then you know benefit from it. So don't assume Jupiter's good. Assume that Jupiter's going to ask you to get rid of something crappy so that you can upgrade it and have a better opportunity. That idea of imagining something better which I steal from Steve, uh, is, is very good here. Now, I do want to give you a little bit of info on Greenwald. Uh, Glenn Greenwald, his birth date, March 6th, 1967. Don't have a time for him, so make it like unknown. Don't make it up with weird houses. Uh, in in uh, New York, New York, USA. Uh, I just want to say a couple of things about his chart, mainly that 
at this time, when this happens, June 9th, 2013, um, his transiting Saturn was re- had retrograded over his south node in Scorpio, which is conjunct Mars. So here you have Edward Snowden, Mars on the north node, Jupiter transiting it. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to take a risk and do Mars, Mars' son in the first house and Mars' house. And then you have uh, Glenn Greenwald, the journalist who is entrusted with this, who is entrusted with tens of thousands of secret documents, who has Mars and Scorpio on the north node, on the south node. He's very familiar with Mars and Scorpio and intrigue and in different lives, probably espionage and secrets and power games and Saturn is there. So he has the opportunity to do something Saturnian wade through with his colleagues. He has a team of other journalists, uh, and he has the, the keys to unlock all these documents, to, to decrypt them and, and use them. And, and they're selecting the minority, the vast minority, that those they believe will have the greatest impact, and that is what Snowden asked him slash them to do. So essentially, uh, Snowden recognizes in Greenwald somebody who can be trusted to do the right thing. <laughs> and of course, his track record and the way he... Um, the way he has uh, uh, done his work is is public record, you know. And Snowden was aware of him. And that's why he chose him. But you know, I just want to point out that like whole thing about intrigue and secrets, transiting Saturn is on Greenwald's uh, South Node at that time. I don't want to get too much into uh, into Greenwald's chart, but but I do want to jump now between these two charts and the U.S. chart for the last part of the show here. Uh, the U.S. chart, the Sibley chart, the one in uh, most common usage, is uh, July fourth. 1776, 4.50 p.m., 4.50 p.m., or 16.50, uh, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What I want to talk about with this is Eris. We are hearing from a lot of people who are exploring the Eris archetype, new in the astrological vocabulary since uh, January of 2005. So it's really new. It's just over nine years ago. Chiron's been in our field for you know 30 over 30 and a half, 30, 30, three and a half decades. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I might be losing it right now, um, mentally and verbally. But anyway, so we're still working on Chiron. You know, and when I brought out my book several years ago, where you can actually heal the Chiron wound, people are like, what? You know, so like it's, we're still exploring things. We're still exploring things. Anyway, Eris is much younger in our, in our field, in our, in our consciousness. Eris in the USA chart, in the US Sibley chart, is at eight Capricorn in the first house. Eris is about pushing buttons, as in insecurities revealed, and then what do we do in response to that? So uh, <laughs> Eris is this goddess of strife in the Greek, uh, in, the, in Greek mythology, and uh, nobody wants to be around her because she creates strife. She's left out. She gets angry. This whole this whole brouhaha happens that results in the Trojan War, the largest, you know, mobilization armed conflict in the history of the world at that point. Uh, because it all starts with she didn't get invited to a party because she's creates strife and she was hurt. So she she uh, antagonizes how did she do it? She triggers the insecurities of other people and that ends up blossoming into the Trojan War. It's like a big deal, but it started with her being hurt. So what do we do when our vulnerabilities and our insecurities are exposed? Do we feel we need to protect ourselves? Do we lash out? Eris is in the first house of the U.S. That's what it does. It lashes out when its insecurities and vulnerabilities are exposed. So these documents reflect – these tens of thousands of documents reflect true things. They cannot be denied. So the only thing they can do is lash out at the person who has stolen these documents. 
And any government would do that. But there's a particular vulnerability that the U.S. has about being the uh, you know uh, big kid on the block for the whole world. That whole idea of the, the mantle of responsibility for defending democracy and all this kind of stuff that goes with that in the in the American mythology. Iris uh, is in Capricorn in the first, but it's retrograde. So the U.S. actually needs to figure out a new way to pre- you know not just present a front of security, but to actually deal with its insecurities. So essentially, this this country, for as long as it exists, has this problem with insecurities. And when they are revealed by others, how to deal with that. And again, you have the opportunity of being meek, which is viewed as weakness, or lashing out. And here I reference soap opera dramas where, you know, I, I told this to a client when I was telling the Iris story in the last day or two. Um, Susan knows that that uh, Michelle has a vulnerability. She wonders if her husband's cheating on her. And that, you know, so Susan does this thing to push Michelle's button. That's Iris. You know, that's Iris outside the locker rooms or outside the lockers in the hall in junior high and and in the soap operas that's iris but the u.s carries that loudly in its first house now i said eight capricorn in the first house so re- remember that for the you know since what is it april or something of 2012 we've had pluto uranus squares so pluto has been conjunct the usa's iris and uranus from aries has been squaring it this is why this is happening because Pluto is trying to destroy the image, the the facade of indestructibility and point out how ridiculous it is to lash out when vulnerabilities are exposed. That's what's happening. And Snowden – here, let's go back to Snowden. Let me just add his chart up here. He has Eris in the 11th house in Aries. And of course, Pluto Uranus activating that, Uranus conjunct it. And his Eris is square the US's Eris. So his Eris in the house of social reality, networks, politics, the, the group mind is squaring the USA's Eris in the first house in Capricorn, this facade, it's retrograde, this facade of invulnerability. So it, that's, that's why this is happening. His karma, like the US needs to have this triggered. Whenever you see Eris in the first house, the person or the institution or the collective will embody that energy. And you're asking – like if you're carrying this thing of I'm, my chest is puffed out because I'm not going to let you see my my soft spots and I'm not going to do that. If you do that, you will draw people who in, unavoidably draw those things out. They show you. So if you are afraid about something, you'll draw people to bring it out and Snowden fits – beautifully with this need the u.s has to have this exposed so that's you know forget about the political machine the media machine all the stuff and you know, i was just talking to kira during the break like all the the terrible things that are said about him and uh you know a 20 you know 29 year old high school dropout and uh, you know his ex-girlfriend pole dancer and you're trying to paint him in a negative light and it's like trying to cover the fact that these actual um expletivy Crappy, sorry, crappy things uh, are actually real and happening. Surveillance of all kinds. These things are actually happening, and the truth is there. They can't deny the truth, so they have to try to try to shape him as an enemy. And that's not new. I thought about doing um, was it Daniel Ellsberg, the Pentagon Papers leaker from oh, 1972 or three? I can't remember. Uh, I was like an infant. 
you know, wanting formula at that point. But, but I was going to do research on his chart too, kind of a whistleblower thing. And I may do that soon, uh, in reference and kind of look at the similarities because he thinks Edward Snowden is a hero. So anyway, you know, like speaking truth to power. But anyway, this Eris thing is really, is really, really, um, is really interesting to me. And, um, uh, we all have Eris and, uh, Eris and Aries. And um, uh, because it's it's there been there full time since late 1926, and for a few days or weeks each of the previous like three or four years, but then full time in Aries. So a lot of people will tell you that it's not relevant for personal use because it's only a generational thing, and that is complete baloney. That is a, a, a that is a misunderstanding by probably well-meaning people who are coming from the tradition, but that tradition says. Until recently, and some people still believe Pluto is not relevant personally. You're listening to an evolutionary astrologer where Pluto is the first step in the in the analysis I do of a chart, and uh, you know transforming how you how you understand Pluto is part of my job, uh, my self appointed mission. So, Eris having a 557 year orbit. It's over over twice the 248-year orbit of Pluto. We assume it's not relevant. It is relevant. This is being triggered. An individual has it with another individual and has it with a country. It is real. It is personal. Uh, I've been kind of keeping a lid on the Eris stuff that's fully worked out in my head, but I have a book that's halfway done. And I've been trying to finish the book uh, and hold back on the teaching of it, but this was too juicy. When I saw this iris in the first in the U.S. in the U.S. chart, so we're coming up to uh, the end of the show. Um, thanks for joining me. <laughs> you know, as I mentioned earlier, there are there are about fifteen books, five channeled, and the rest are uh, written by myself: uh, astrology, mythology, spirituality books. And um, and if you if you have read them, I know a lot of you have. Uh, rate rate them do online reviews that really that really helps me and also you can rate and review this podcast on itunes and if you're just listening uh and you want to subscribe subscribe on itunes uh, quite quite a large group of people subscribed and i'm really grateful for the support uh and you can uh, if you're just listening you can go subscribe uh and then as far as announcements go i want to um i also want to say that if you want to support the show and help keep it on the air you can do that through tdjacobs.com uh forward slash soul HTML, and there's a there's a donation button there. Um, and also, if you haven't encountered uh, what I'm up to uh, lately, uh, maybe five or six weeks ago, I instituted a new sliding scale for consultations and coaching, opening it up to reach more people, to for people to get as much help as they need as often as they need it. And uh, so there's quite a quite a um, large range of services I offer that are all about transformation. And now the, the sliding scale makes it possible. So read about that at tdjacobs.com and uh, contact me uh, for a session. Uh, I, I love working with people. I, I've really enjoyed the, the influx of people who are listening to the show and responding to that sliding scale offer. I've really enjoyed uh, working with a bunch of you over the last uh, five or six weeks and uh, want to keep that up. want to keep my schedule full and want to keep you getting the information you need when you need it from your guides, from me, from Jehudi, from whomever. Thanks for joining me. This is Tom Jacobs on the Soul's Journey. You can check out what I'm up to, including the May, the July 7th channeling event at tdjacobs.com. Thank you and have a great week. You've been listening to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs, a fresh look at astrology and soul inspired by channeled wisdom. For more information, tune in every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Connect with Tom directly via www.tdjacobs.com. That's TD. 
J-A-C-O-B-S dot com. 